Uh, hello, welcome to Pod Rocket. Um, I'm Noel, and with me today is Elena Bokreva, um, who is a software engineering manager at Meta, and AC Watson, a uh, software engineer for the Lexical Core team. Did I get all that right? You nailed it, yep. Yes. Awesome, awesome. How are you guys doing today? So far, so good. Glad to hear it. Um, cool. Well, yeah, let's just jump right in. Uh, so Lexical describes itself uh, as an extensible text editor framework. Um, maybe to start off with, what is a text editor framework? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I'll try to explain. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Uh, everyone thinks that text engineering is simple and uh, it's just typing and that's it. But in reality, when you're building some web products, it's not that easy. You have to do copy paste, images, undo, redo, and we don't want everyone in the world to redo all those things or build them from scratch. So text editing framework provides abilities for software engineers just to use existing frameworks as a building blocks to simplify their work. So they are focused on the right thing versus trying to rebuild something that everyone needs. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, very good, concise explanation there. So um, what kind of inspired Meta and your guys' teams to like tackle this problem specifically? Like, why are you guys where you are and working on Lexical? So the problem is not new. So we've been editing text for years and Meta has already an open source project similar to Lexical, which was called Draft. But drafts got outdated. There were some problems that we were not able to address. React 18 was coming and uh, it wasn't compatible. And the needs for meta apps are growing. So we decided that it's time to build something new that would allow us to duplicate draft chairs. Got it, got it. So then I guess that makes sense to me. Um, is it is it kind of easiest to think of Lexical as like a, a, a front-end library or a component that like developers might reach for if they need to have, you know, text editing capabilities on some web platform or tool they're building? Yes, and maybe AC, you can talk about it. Yeah, I'd say that's the right way to think about it. I mean, <clears throat> we've tried to build it in, in a way such that it's very modular. So you can kind of go down to like this core library that just handles sort of like, it doesn't even handle like key input events, right? Like you have this very core library that's just like a reconciler and like editor state and this idea of like immutable state and then like reconciliation to the DOM. And then you can go all the way down to that and build a custom solution all the way up from that bare bones framework. Or you can do something like use our lexical react package, which has, you know, as you mentioned, components that are built in. You can just drop the Lexical Composer component into your uh, web page, your React app, and then you know pull some plugins in and have a working text editor. So it's kind of like the whole, like it runs the whole gamut. It's got that level of flexibility and um, and sort of modularity. Got it. Got it. So so if if I weren't using React or say like I'm sure there's uh, like a view kind of wrapper library that interfaces with the, that API as well. But like if I weren't using one of those or Angular or whatever, like what would I need to do to kind of interface with those that the lower level pieces of Lexical? Yeah. So I mean, uh, well, without going into like too many specifics, it's uh, you basically the only thing you really need is a you have to have the Lexical core library and a content editable. And then you attach an editor to the content editable, and then you're going to start wiring up events. So you'll have like different events, and Lexical has its own command system that you can uh, that you can also use to kind of like direct the editor. And it's takes some inspiration from the um, the 
sort of uh, now deprecated exec command API that was present in browsers for a while. Um, and, you know, other similar editors have command systems. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what you need to get started. And so um, if you, that's if you go all the way down to like the bare bones. But as you mentioned before, like, you know, most people are going to want to use something like the Svelte bindings or the view bindings or the React bindings, you know, to kind of like get started with their favorite editor framework. Um, so, yeah. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Um, so if, if we're, if, if most users are kind of consuming lexical as, you know, like kind of a, a React component or a view component or a set of bindings that they can integrate with their app. Um, is there, is there any, anything that they kind of, any concerns that they would need to have thinking about those internal, like the internal workings of lexical and how it like, you know, saves and presents data or is that is it all pretty well abstracted when one's working at those higher levels yeah at the higher levels uh, we really try to i mean this is a big thing that uh, dominic the the original author of lexical um kind of took from his time on the react team was like this idea of like taking what we really try to do here is take things that are typically considered edge cases and just like make them part of the framework so that you don't have to think about them and i'm talking about things like kind of like how we handle composition or ime um, like, you know, input for, for Chinese and Japanese characters, things like that. Um, that's kind of what I have in mind. And so, like, I would say, generally speaking, we try to make that not something you need to think about. And and, um, and that kind of goes for everything. So we and, and we we have created a set of plugins and a plugin system for React specifically that we use internally as well. Um, but that is something that's supposed to be just very much like plug and play. Right. Here's your Lexical Composer. If you want to add, you know, code highlighting functionality, then drop this plugin in there. It's declarative, right? You have Lexical Composer and then the Lexical Code Highlighting plugin, and you're good to go. Um, you know, of course, the more specific and complex your needs and use cases are, like the more you might have to dive down through the layers. But um, you know, that's kind of to be expected. Got it. Got it. So, so. Um, is the is the target demographic then? I mean, ostensibly the end user of Lexical is like anyone who would be on the web using a text editor on some website. But the the audience of Lexical is developers who are kind of in that in the middle somewhere where they've got an editor, but they want it to be a little bit more um, feature rich, maybe than just like some other simple component they'd pull off the shelf. Um, is there like do you guys find Lexical being worked on and kind of picked apart and talked about mainly by devs who are working at some abstraction layer in the middle, like they're working on a component library or a CMS or something like that? Or is it mainly people who have like some specific bespoke use case on a given website? And those are the consumers that end up like working with you on the, you know, in the, in the repos and, and in those discussions. Yeah, I would say like, anecdotally, like, the, we have a discord channel uh, that I'm pretty active in. And we have most of the engagement that we see on there is from people that are trying to build some sort of specific, you know, type of text editing experience for users, for end users on a website. Um, as a like, we actually did have someone recently um, that uh, that did create a component library um, or some sort of abstraction over our. Um, I think our we have like a playground, and it's just a fledged editor in the playground. And someone just like kind of took that and like packaged it up and like you know, re-expose that as like a, an out of the box editor experience. And, you know, we were like, cool, if you want to do that, go for it. You know, we don't, we don't want to maintain that. Um, particularly right now, that's our playground, you know, like just where we show up things, but, you know, so we do have people doing sort of like the, 
you know, kind of like make a drag and drop component or a, a, a you know, a drop in component. But the bulk of what I've seen is people that are trying to build some sort of, you know, unique editor experience or just one that has like slightly different, um, you know, nuances to it than, than might come with an out of the box editor. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Is there, um, like if I, you know, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm, I'm using some, I'm using lexical directly or using some library that is implementing it in some manner. Um, like how, how can I style and make lexical, like e- even if the functionality is all working there, like with plugins that are already written, then I don't have to do anything too crazy, but just like styling and formatting and making stuff look the way I want it to. How do I, how do I do that as a developer? Yeah, totally. Um, for, for styling, like we actually, there's this concept of like editor configuration. So um, when you when you initially um, you know create an editor or um, when you use one of the abstractions, there's like a prop I think for Lesquo Composer. Um, we have this thing called editor theme classes or something, and that just basically is like giving you a place to to um, add your own CSS classes, and we'll slap those onto the actual like DOM that Lexical um, ends up ends up creating. And so you can you can really have like pretty low level control over um, over the components um, or over the you know how how the the user's composition is is visually represented um, through that styling. You can even you can go to like a lower level as well um, if you know for whatever reason that's not meeting your needs. You can let's say you want to change how a you know paragraph looks. You can actually extend the paragraph node. <clears throat> um, we use like an, an inheritance pattern for that you know, make your, uh, my cool paragraph node and have that, you know, render whatever Dom you want, right? Like whatever, uh, HTML you want. Nice. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Can we talk about like real world examples or like, you know, cool implementations that you guys have seen that you've been proud of? Um, I'm just kind of curious, like if, you know, any, if there's any websites that listeners would be using all the time where they may have, you know, been using lexical and they didn't know about it or even just again really cool use cases that you guys have seen in the past yeah um i don't know if like so it's early days still i think for us we have um you know we, we've worked with a lot of right right individual companies who are interested um in using lexical for different things um i would say like some we have seen you know some wins in terms of people saying like hey like i use lexical to replace my the current editor at my company and I saved like, you know, this many thousands of lines of code. And like, I got rid of a bunch of custom code. I'm thinking of a specific example right now. <laughs> Obviously I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to name drop anyone, but like, no, that's okay. um, but yeah, like we have seen, um, seen that type of thing. And so we've seen some wins around like, Hey, I took my like existing editor and like replaced it with Lexical. And turns out that I was able to save a lot of code, you know, and, and simplify things a lot that way. Um, I think in, internally we've um, we've been able to do a lot of interesting things with Lexical in terms of um, you know embedding thing rich things. I'm trying not to be too give too much detail or be too specific here, but like you know b- being able to like embed a lot of like rich content in places that's really helpful for our employees um, that we weren't able to do before, and so that's been interesting to see as well. Yes, so some applications that you. I bet you are using daily, like Facebook, WhatsApp, Messenger. They all use lexical. So when you use those, you are using lexical. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I was, uh, that was going to be my next question. Like Facebook properties, surely we're using lexical, right? Um, sorry, Meta properties, surely we're using lexical. Um, right, right. Yeah, yeah. 
that's exactly right. I mean, so like that's you know all, all those things. I don't know, like um, when you when you say interesting, uh, my mind immediately went to like the open source community. But uh, of course, like yeah, we we have so much going on internally and so many surfaces where composition is so incredibly important and impactful. Um, and uh, Lexical has been really good for us across all those so far. Yeah, this is kind of a, a, a tangential question, but is it is it? Um, I guess have you guys noticed any benefits um, from like kind of working on an open source tool like this, but having a large, um, you know, entity that is using this open source project like very heavily in production with like thousands of users every day? Has that has that kind of avenue for feedback been beneficial in just development and iteration? That's been really great avenue for feedback, and uh, people are providing feedback much faster than our small team. We are just seven engineers, and uh, it's really beneficial for us to get feedback much faster than we can find things. And of course, um, getting feedback for things that we sometimes didn't anticipate even like to test, that's really awesome. The open source community has been like such a huge blessing and like just finding all these uh yeah just issues that we never would have thought because you know the the implementations that we have internally are just um they're just different than what other you know once you release something into the wild people start doing all kinds of crazy stuff with it and you start finding like all these things that you you know never would have even considered uh had you just use it internally and so we've had yeah it's been just really a a huge uh, win for us to to release it into open source Nice. Yeah, that's kind of kind of the open source dream, right? It's like everyone iterating on the thing makes it better, and you find all the edge cases, and it's all there, and it's great. Um, so that's, yeah, that's that's super cool to hear. Um, awesome. So that's just kind of kind of to pivot us back a little bit now, talking about features specifically. Um, Elena, you touched on accessibility a little bit, and like how there's a bunch of tricky problems in text editing that people wouldn't really think about if they just set out to do it all themselves. What are some of those problems and pitfalls that devs might fall into if they just kind of try to spin up their own uh, text editor from scratch? So we spent a lot of time and we partnered with multiple vendors just to provide audits for accessibility as Meta is really uh, driving accessibility. And we are being part of enterprise engineering. This is really something that we're passionate about. Um, we were looking at all the corner cases and uh, all the accessibility features that we need to support, like speech-to-text support for Dragon. This is the most popular speech-to-text software, as you probably know. Um, accessibility type heads, semantic markup, keyboard shortcuts, and AC can talk a little bit about technical part of the problem, as I'm mostly around business. Sure. Sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, Elena, Elena's right about all that. I mean, we there there's some there were gaps in like our our current solution, um, our internal solution at MetaDraftJS. There were there were a lot of gaps in accessibility um, there, and uh, so when we were set out to redo this, it was something that we really wanted to do. We wanted to get it right, um, and so we worked with a third party vendor on this. We had a dedicated resource internally um, helping us with it. It turns out that like the, you know, the, the specifications, the public specifications like WCAG um, for, it doesn't really have a lot of specifics on like how text editors should work from a accessibility standpoint. So we ended up doing a lot of just user testing, a lot of like working with these vendors to figure out like what, you know, behaviors 
do people actually expect and like what, you know, is actually going to be easy for them to use. And we found is it, you know, a lot of um, the test editing experiences out there were, uh, you know, falling short on things like, you know, even like internationalization, like IME, like the, I think I mentioned it earlier, like the keyboard, um, the, um, you know, um, Chinese and, and Japanese characters, um, JAWS, screen readers, um, huge thing. Uh, even like attachments like Grammarly, like uh, we found out that a lot of, um, you know, people that are, that have English as a second language use Grammarly to help them like communicate better with their coworkers. But that was a lot of text editors just don't handle Grammarly uh, input as well. Grammarly is an extension, I guess, that that helps, um, you know, correct, correct grammar when you're composing text. And so all these things we kind of considered and, and um, looked at them and said, like, how can we make something that's going to work with all this just out of the box so that it, it like basically we want to enable people to to make accessibility first text editing experiences like things that are inclusive by default right um it's kind of been the the, the catchphrase that we've used and so awesome awesome hey this is emily one of the producers for pod rocket i'm so glad you're enjoying this episode you probably hear this from lots of other podcasts but we really do appreciate our listeners Without you, there would be no podcast. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts. All right, back to the show. That leads me to kind of a, an interesting philosophical question that, again, like I understand um, it can be a little bit hairy in here, but I'm curious then, it sounds like Lexical is trying to solve a lot of problems that it, it feels like almost everyone would have. Like anyone, you know, that wants text input of some kind, especially like c- complex text input, would, you know, like want, want a set of tools or the baseline to be pretty strong and accessible and, and easy to use. Is there a reason that you guys can think of that, like, a lot of this work that you're doing wouldn't make sense to put kind of like into the specs and the standards for like HTML? So for example, like if I ask for a text area that's editable, to get something like flexible just natively that the browser gives me? Does that seem like, is that a reasonable question? I think it's a reasonable question. It's one that like I've, I've ruminated on a bit recently. Um, I, I think that it's, it's been tried. Well, at least like the idea of implementing something like this has been tried. That's what content editable is like, you know, I think the vision for content editable and the vision for like the exact command API and like the, the surrounding, you know, um, the surrounding tech was to be able to kind of have a lot of these things built in. But I think it, the, the failure came in around like alignment, like getting these things to all work the right way across all browser vendors um, turned out to be, you know, a big challenge. And so, you know, f- I, I would like to ultimately see it happen. But I think in order to get that to happen, there's kind of a, a long road ahead. And it's like I said, been tried before. And so right now it's left to the community to get this right. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like having an open source tool there doing it and like, you know, like kind of push pushing it forward in this in this way is is a, is a pretty good medium, like for now, like until kind of the standards can give us some of the stuff out of the box. Do you like, do you think, I guess, then um, kind of a layer up as as the um, as these like 
say say standards are evolving over time and we get a little bit healthier of a native text editing experience, do you think it'll be lexical will be adaptable to kind of like stay like use the browsers as much as we can, but then put, like put the pieces on top of it to make the dev experience really nice, uh, make it really accessible for all of our users and also like extensible for people that are doing more complex stuff? Yeah, I mean, I would say totally like to the extent that they still necessary to have like something like lexical um you know as the standards evolve and i would say uh i, I still see like a, i still think i think i see a place for it um but just depending on on how things work out if and when a standard's created and if and when browsers try implementing this tech um but yeah i i think we would not want to like the whole point of lexical in a way is to create kind of like this like simple API surface that allows you to do all these things in a, in the, and it works across browsers, across platforms, right? And you interact with one simple API. And so to the extent the browser is providing that for you, then, you know, lexicals kind of like becomes thinner and thinner, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, it could still be an abstraction of like, you know, I think some of the, some of the abstractions and more sophisticated functionality we've built um, could still be useful, but um, maybe the core library just becomes thinner and thinner. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think regardless, like, again, having people doing the work and discussing it and talking about it and finding issues and bugs and like getting all of this captured and worked on iterate on is like a net benefit for everyone, like almost inarguably. Um, so, yeah, I, I was just curious because I was kind of having this discussion with one of my colleagues the other day and we were talking about um, component libraries and like, you know, the, necess the necessity of them over time. And I was arguing in favor of using component libraries because they're still doing a lot of heavy lifting in terms of like accessibility and stuff for me. So I don't have to worry about that stuff. Like I can assume that my table layout will look good and like varying widths and people with screen readers and all that stuff, like all these problems that are kind of tricky for me to solve. Um, anyway, so that kind of led me to this line of questioning. Um, and yeah, it's just like an, a very interesting space. That's something we see is like a, a huge contribution of Lexical. Like when you think about like other text editors, there are already great text editing frameworks out there. Like there are great ones out there and, and ones that have had a lot of time and effort and like thought put into their designs. I think one thing Lexical did is really like um, just create uh, one. It just moves the community forward in the sense that it says, well, here are, you know, some concerns that we see that weren't totally addressed. Here's how we address them and like made a framework that like kind of holistically takes care of that stuff for you. And like, that's, you know, w one step forward in the direction of, you know, making that, uh, that kind of making, making a holistic solution to that problem, um, you know, across the web. And so nice. Hopefully we did some good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's it. I think so too. Um, that kind of segues me nicely. Um, like, so there are, there are other like text editor, you know, tools one can pull off the shelf as a developer, to, like help with this stuff. Um, and, and we've talked about that. Were there, when you guys kind of in the early days, I guess I don't know your timelines in respect to Lexical's timelines, but were there other tools that you were also kind of evaluating, like other open source projects that you looked at or anything? Like, should we maybe piggyback on on top of one of these other tools and, and start working on that there? Or was it pretty clear from the onset that like this was going to be like a project that you guys kind of wanted to maintain from the ground up? Well, I can't speak like to like the very, very early days uh, of like kind of, I joined the project about six months after it started. Um, and so I can't speak to like Dominic's really motivation or like what he considered as far as um, other text editors, like should, you know, when he was going through the process of saying like, I need a text editor, like, you know, which one should I use or should I make my own? I don't know like how exactly that, that thought process went. Um, what I can tell you is that I think what was, what, 
as a, you know, a large company with like a lot of services, what a lot of times we really need to have like low level control over the tools that we use. And so while it can be, we, it can be a good idea to, to rely on third party open source tech. And we do that. Um, it's, you know, it can also be a liability when you start to run into the limitations of that technology. So that's like one reason why we would choose to, you know, just, just do something ourselves, even something as like complex and ridiculously hard as, as text editing. Um, we also just had some sp- like specific concerns up front, specific things up front that we knew we needed to address, like React 18 support, um, which React 18, I don't think wasn't even like formally released when, when this was started. And so uh, we just had, you know, there were a lot of things that we, we just weren't so I can I could guess I'm kind of conjecturing now or speculating on why Dominic made the decision to create his own editor, even though I said I wouldn't. But like that's those are kind of my thoughts on that. And I would say like throughout that process, and, and even to this day, like we've still been heavily heavily inspired by what's already out there. Um, Pros, Mirror, Slate, Quill. Like uh, I mean, all these are like I said, wonderful text editors, and we've we've taken inspiration from a lot of what they've already done and, and kind of st- stood on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have anything you want to add, Lena? Yeah, so AC Cover, it is really lexical was created for Meta, for Meta specific needs. And um, we just, when we realized it, and it evolved over time. So we started with just plain text editor, then we saw an opportunity to expand it. And uh, once we built it, we realized that we wanted to share it with the world to get more feedback. That's why we open sourced it. But it's really, it was built for Meta, and that's why we have some specific criteria and requirements. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also curious if we can kind of go back to, to features a little bit. Um, is there any, like, native support for functionality beyond, um, like, a, a form or an editor that someone's working on? I'm, I'm thinking, like collaboration or like real-time multi-user editing of data is that is that in lexical's purview or is that kind of you know like upstream yeah so what we do provide uh, what we what we do on that front is we provide uh bindings for yjs which yjs is a, a crdt the exact uh the exact expansion of that acronym is uh conflict conflict free replicated data type i believe yeah yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's a, yeah, you obviously know about YJS. And so um, we, we just provided some bindings for that. And Dominic was working closely with um, with the, the creator of YJS, who I think, I think is Kevin is his name, um, to kind of like make sure that we could do something that worked well with Lexical and with the data structures that we were using and things like that. And so we've solved some problems on that front and kind of made it um, more easy for people to create real-time collaborative experiences with Lexical. Um, and so it there's still some legwork to do um, once you, if, if you want to do that, right? Obviously, there's there's a little more to be done than just like, you know, turn it on. But, um, you know, it is it is possible and it's relatively simple um, with the bindings for YJS that we've, we've exposed, so. Nice. It, have you guys like had to, like, have you, have you had to work on that code much or solve issues? I, I'm, I'm just thinking with, with CRDTs, like the implementation of conflict resolution is somewhat, non-trivial in that uh like i think text editing there are use cases where like you would want a true conflict right like a user's offline for a long time like two users are both editing a sentence like how do we then resolve this like this word or sentence that's been edited by both users once the data syncs like because there kind of is a conflict that needs to be considered 
um, or at least rules that need to be put in place to figure out what the desired end state is. Is that is that something you've had to work on? I personally have not had to work on that. Um, that's something that, uh, yeah, we I wasn't personally involved in developing that part of it, um, so I can't speak like too deeply about like the challenges there. But um, I, I my understanding was that YJS handles a lot of that. It's kind of like we've offloaded a lot of that um, kind of like conflict resolution to, to the YJS library, but I might, Elena might actually have a clearer picture than me having, um, been working on collaboration a little bit recently. Yeah. So YJS provides a lot of this out of the box and, um, we're still in early stages for doing collaboration for meta. So we still have to run into multiple issues, I guess. <laughs> so maybe we we are happy to return back and talk about collaboration in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll have you guys on in a year or something. And we can figure out all the problems that you've solved. Yeah, totally. I'm sure we'll have some good war stories by then. Nice, nice. So I guess, um, yeah. But like, it, it sounds like there is there is support for it. And it's on your guys' radar. Like, is there are there users? Um, like, I guess is it in the wild anywhere uh, that you know of? Like the real time text editing. I guess maybe I'm a better way to frame this question. Where like, if I were working on a project and I wanted to have collaborative editing, is it in a place where I could go pull lexical off the shelf and like use it, and it would work in most cases? For now, I guess it would work, but you still have to do some legwork, as we mentioned. And as we have not tested it in production ourselves, so that's why we cannot really speak how good or bad it would be. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. So, like, would I would I need to bring my own like data store and stuff like that? Like, what what is Lexical opinionated about in that regard? As far as like the collaboration thing, we it's sort of just a thin abstraction over over YJS. So I don't think we really have. Um, you don't need your own data structure or anything like that. You would be sending Lexical. Um, the the editor state over the wire, um, but yeah, we we like. Once again, I'm kind of like speaking out like a, out of my like depth here because I, I haven't done a lot of work on this. But my understanding is we sort of we have this like JSON data structure. It's like a tree structure that um, you know uh, the way you represent the composition, right? All the the nodes in the tree, and then when we send that um, over the wire with YJS, it's like flattened into a uh, some kind of like flattened tree structure and then like that is where the conflict resolution takes place in that uh in that format and which i guess doesn't really answer your question at all but like this is like these are the things i know about collaboration and how it works so far so yeah 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 no that, that's perfect i think I'm, I'm i'm curious about like the uh, like how do i how do i like wire clients together and figure out like which entities should be resolving against which other entities and like that whole like you know how do I how do I get the data in and out and figure out what should be resolving against what um, is the piece that I'm I'm curious about and again I'm I'm sure we can go look at the docs and figure it out. Um, yeah, so it's being resolved on the client level. So YJS would be resolving, and the like awesomeness of YJS is that each client will know and is guaranteed that the document will be in the same state. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So I've like. Um, when I've done YJS work in the past, I still have had to like, you know, tell in, in my web app, I've got to build the logic to say like, these two users are the same, like these are in a shared pool editing the same document. How do I, how do I get um, lexical? Like how do, how do I tell lexical which, which entities are editing the same field? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, um, 
once again, like I'm, I haven't looked at this tech that closely, but like I, I think that it, we have, I have like an ID that you assign or something like that. Those shared things, like maybe a, a namespace. Um, I can't yeah, recall like an app identifier or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I can't recall exactly how all that works um, off the top of my head, but. No, no worries. Again, yeah, I was just curious because it seemed like a that seems like a really cool feature that is not really easily implemented anywhere yet. Like we're still that kind of collaborative editing is still non-trivial for most devs to implement, and that's why I'm curious about it because I think that there's a lot of people that would be like, if I can pull collaborative text editing off the shelf and it's like really easy to just get working, like that would be pretty sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I totally. I, like I said, I wish I could go like deeper with with you on that, but um, I would be doing you a disservice and your listeners because I just don't have like the depth on that, on that part of the code base, unfortunately. No, no, no worries. Um, so that's okay. I've got, that kind of actually segues me nicely into my kind of last big question here is what's like next on the roadmap. What do you guys, what do you guys spend in cycles on right now? So working on one zero release is a big milestone. That's what we anticipate in H2. Yeah. AC, maybe <laughs> you will share some details. Yeah, totally. Um, so like a big thing for us as we're, we've seen some good adoption. We've seen a lot of engagement with the community, a lot of, a lot of contributions, um, from, um, from external contributors. And one of the things that we've started to see asked recently is, Hey, I want to use lexical for this project that I have at my company. But, um, you know, when I pitch it, people are calling out that it's, you know, it's, there hasn't a stable release yet, right? You guys are at, you know, in, in beta versioning and, and that's true. Like we haven't really, we haven't, we're not at V1 yet. And so a big thing I think for us uh, to, to continue to get traction in the community and kind of like um, reinforce our position or our, like the idea that this is an editor that you can depend on. And like that we're, we really need to solidify the API and just say like, you know, more than that, probably produce a roadmap to say like, here's where we're going to go right, to get to V1. Here are the bridges we need to cross to get to V1, and here's, like, our, our target for that. And just to give people a little more confidence, right? And so um, I think that's that's a big thing for us moving forward is um, is getting that um, figured out, like, what do we want to do and um, what a rough timeline for it. Um, you know, other than that, I think we, we have um, we have some interesting things going on. Uh, we, we can't, uh, we can't, go into too much detail uh yet on what those might be but um you know we're, we're very excited i hope you guys will follow along and you know kind of kind of watch the space as we move forward and um and see where it goes nice yeah i guess on, on that note if, if you know listeners do want to kind of keep tabs on lexical and, and keep an ear to the ground what's the where should they be where should they be looking yeah, definitely i mean you can follow us on on twitter it's at lexicaljs um we try to keep that up to date um, and then really like the most active, uh, place is our discord channel. Um, we set that up as like kind of just a, a place for, you know, to engage with the community. It's really like grown, uh, massively. And so we have a lot of activity in there and we, we end up, um, making a lot of announcements in there and, and things like that as well. Um, so encourage people to join the discord. It's on the website, I think, which is lexical.dev. Um, and there's a community page with, with the information for joining the discord and, and Twitter and all that stuff. So. Yeah, we can try to get the Discord link as well as uh, as well as that that link in the show notes, so people can find it more easily. Yeah, anything else you guys wanna you wanna leave us with, Elena? Not really. Just wanted to share that we are excited about Lexical Project, and we are really 
grateful for all the feedback that people were providing on open source community and on Discord channel, as AC mentioned. So we're hopeful about our future. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, thank you guys so much for joining me, uh, AC and Elaine. It's been a, a pleasure chatting and uh, nice to meet both of you. Um, hopefully, yeah, we can be in touch soon and we'll, we'll get some more updates on, on what's going on with Lexical. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to PodRocket. You can find us at PodRocketPod on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.